Hello, this is MG Govia. I'm the education and outreach liaison for OK Able One. I'm also a host of our podcast, Digging Deep. This month, we're doing something a little different. Back in July, I presented over overcoming imposter syndrome and promoting a culture of safety. We felt this topic was important enough to share, and I hope that you enjoy what you're about to hear. Let me know your thoughts when you finish. Thank you. So, uh, let's start with an icebreaker, right? We know what we're going to do. We're going to talk about overcoming imposter syndrome and promoting a culture of safety. And so, to really dive into this, let's start by poorly explaining your job. Um, if you haven't seen a Slido slide before, take out your smartphone, uh, scan that QR code, or you can go to a browser, just go to slido.com, and I'll ask you for this room number the three three six nine at zero one three once you put that in uh it'll ask you to poorly explain your job um i already put in my uh job explanation i talked about safe digging to people while bragging about my powerpoint skills so i see some people logging in now to explain your job to me remember this is an icebreaker you're also anonymous uh your boss isn't going to find out that you stare at your computer for eight hours a day you can put anything in here you want, but I do want to kind of get an idea of what's all out there. Um, so let's get some icebreakers going. There you go. I like that one. Architect of National Damage Prevention Efforts. A couple more and then we'll dive into the rest of this. I see some typing. I know. Second slide of the presentation. You were probably like, hey, give me time to wake up, but I'm not diving into it. Love this. I'm a resource for all stakeholders regarding underground utilities in my area. Random tasks all day, every day. Uh, lots of hats to wear for that person. If I do um, move forward on your slide, don't worry about it. your uh, answers are going to be there and I can review them later. Um, I'm going to give about two more minutes. Uh, multitasker sitting on my computer, manage an elite team of awesomeness. I hope that's my boss. Uh, I talk to people all day about how to manage tasks and people. Uh, you might want to send me an email. I could use some help. Um, road warrior, peacemaker, paper pusher. Okay. All right. One more and I'll move on to what we're going to talk about today. Count beans, the cleaning toilets. Every day is a new tie. And I sell safety software to utility companies, meaning they will all perform their work safely with no injuries. I like it. Oh, man, they're flying in. Uh, we got a psychologist. Uh-oh. Um, I manage complaints all day and best practices follower. Okay, those are all outstanding. Thank you so much uh, for your participation. I got a good idea of uh, everyone who's in here. Um, the reason I wanted you to poorly explain your job is um, for me, um, my job obviously is to educate, to go out and provide awareness of what A11 is in Oklahoma. And the other day, I was in the town of Enid, Oklahoma. If you don't know where that is, it's almost Kansas. And I was doing a safety day presentation and someone asked me, hey, how is it that you can stand up there and teach us about safety and damage prevention? And you've never had the, any type of work like this in your past. Um, if you don't know much about me, my background is sales, customer service, uh, stand-up comedian, uh, just pretty much anything with an outward facing role. Not a lot of manual uh, labor in my past, even though the M stands for manual. So I explained to that person that 
even though I don't own a shovel, I can still learn. I can still lean on to the fact that I don't know everything and make sure that I learn enough to help protect and help save lives. And so that's what my goal was. And I leaned into that. But to understand how I got to where I am now, from where I started three years ago, we have to understand what imposter syndrome is. Imposter syndrome is a psychological condition that's characterized by persistent self-doubt and the fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite evidence of one's ongoing success. So a couple of things that happened over the last three years, uh, Okie and one our podcast took off. Uh, we're doing webinars consistently. Our safety days attendance have been outstanding. Uh, you may have had a sip of an Okie and one beer over the last three years. A lot of cool things have happened and that success is there. However, I always struggled with this. So when I started researching imposter syndrome, one of the things that I really dove into is this book by Dr. Valerie Young. And she's the one who coined the term um, imposter syndrome, the one who did a lot of research on it. And so she classified the imposter syndrome into various subgroups, the perfectionist, the superhero, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. In her book titled The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It, which might be the longest book title I've ever read out loud, uh, Dr. Young draws upon extensive research and conducted over several decades that focused on the feelings of fraudulence experienced by high achievers. So she really dove into these competence types and that they're going to represent the internal rules that individuals struggling with confidence often try to adhere to. And so all of this categorization is frequently overlooked in discussion. Understanding it may be helpful to you to understand your realization of your full potential. So I'm going to go over the, these competencies that uh, Dr. Young came up with. And by examining them, you can assess and what, figure out what you recognize in yourself with these categories. And then I'm gonna to try to give some examples to help you relate to it along with questions to help you figure out which ones really apply to you. So first is the perfectionist. Perfectionism and imposter syndrome are often intertwined. And if you're not sure if this applies to you, ask yourself these questions. Do you find it incredibly challenging to entrust tasks to others? And even when you do delegate, you often feel dissatisfied and frustrated with the outcomes. When you fall short of the impossibly high standards you set for yourself, do you immediately blame yourself for not being suited for your job? Or does it consume your thoughts for days? And do you believe your work must always be flawlessly perfect without any room of error? Consider this. So perfectionists establish extremely lofty objectives. So we understand that. And so when they fall short of those, they're going to encounter self-doubt and they're going to be concerned about not meeting those expectations. So whether consciously or unconsciously, this group may also possess a tendency to over, be overly controlling, believing they must handle tasks themselves in order for it to be done correctly. This kind of individual finds success unsatisfying because they believe they could have achieved even greater results. And as you can imagine, that can be neither productive nor beneficial for their well-being. And so that's why it's important. And this phrase is going to be used 
a few times this presentation to help overcome imposter syndrome. And that's, we need to celebrate those accomplishments and that's gonna help us avoid burnout, discover contentment and foster self-assurance. It's important to be able to learn from those mistakes without dwelling on them, recognizing they're just part of the learning process. And then you wanna challenge yourself to take action before you feel completely ready. And by doing that, you'll be able to know that you can initiate that project right now. There's never gonna be a perfect time and your work will never be flawlessly perfect. And as soon as you accept that reality, the better you can be. And this is a superhero. Individuals who undergo this phenomenon firmly believe they are imposters in the presence of genuinely competent colleagues. So because of that, they work tirelessly in order to match up. Their behavior is a facade to conceal their own insecurities. And their excessive workload will have detrimental effects on both their mental well-being and their relationship with others. So this one is someone who will be a workaholic, if you will. So here's some questions to see if you have the superhero imposter syndrome uh, competency. So do you stay later at the office than the rest of your team, even past the point that you've completed that day's necessary work? Do you get stressed when you're not working and find downtime completely wasteful? Have you left your hobbies and passions fall by the wayside, sacrificed to work? And do you feel like you haven't er truly earned your title? despite numerous degrees and achievements and work experience. Do you feel pressed to work harder and longer than ever those around you to prove your worth? These imposter workaholics are in fact addicted to the validation they receive from their work rather than being genuinely passionate about the work themselves about the work itself. It's important to start training yourself to detach from seeking external validation. No one should have more influence over your self-worth than you. And that's not even your boss when they give you approval over a project. As you become more tuned to internal validation and learn to nurture your inner competence, acknowledging your competence and skills, you'll be able to moderate your workload more effectively, determining what is reasonable for you. So this one, um, the natural genius is one that I relate to. Uh, it sounds cooler than it really is, I promise. Um, but according to Young, uh, individuals with this type of competence believes they must possess innate brilliance. Consequently, they assess their competence based on how effortlessly and quickly they can accomplish tasks, rather than considering the effort they put it in, put in for it. In essence, if they take a significant amount of time to master something, they experience a sense of shame. Um, so these these imposters with a natural genius mindset set unattainably high standards for themselves, similar to perfectionists. However, what distinguishes them from that is they evaluate their worth based on the ability to succeed on the first attempt. When they are unable to perform a task swiftly or smoothly, they feel a sense of alarm. So let's see if this applies to you. Are you used to excelling without much effort? Do you have a track record of getting straight A's or gold stars in everything you do? Were you told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in your family or peer group? Do you dislike the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own? When you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble because not performing well provokes a feeling of shame? 
And do you often avoid challenges because it's so uncomfortable to try something? Consider viewing yourself as a constant work in progress. Achieving significant accomplishments require lifelong learning and skill development, a process that applies to everyone, even the most self-assured individuals. Instead of criticizing yourself when you fall short of impossibly high standards, identify specific behaviors that are changeable and can be improved over time. For instance, if you aim to have a greater impact at work, it is more productive to focus on refining your presentation skills rather than resigning yourself to the belief that you're inherently incapable of speaking up effectively in meetings. All right, a couple more. The next one I also uh, can relate to um, a little bit, it's the soloist. The individuals who believe that asking for help exposes their fraudulence are what Young refers to as soloists. While independence is admirable, it becomes problematic when one adamantly refuses assistance in order to prove their worth. So let's see if this applies to you. Do you strongly believe that you must accomplish tasks entirely on your own? Does the statement, I don't need anyone's help, resonate with you? Do you tend to frame your request in terms of project's requirements rather than expressing your personal needs? It's important to recognize there's no shame in seeking help when you genuinely need it. If you don't know how to do something, reach out to a colleague for assistance. If you're struggling to solve a problem, seek advice from a supportive supervisor or even considering a career, check, a career coach. Uh, the soloist, um, there's nothing within um, your workplace or your environment where you shouldn't be able to rely on those around you to accomplish your th goals. Then there's the expert. Individuals who consider some, themselves experts assess their competence based on their knowledge and skills. And what that does is they harbor a fear of being exposed as inexperienced or lacking knowledge as they believe they'll never have enough expertise. Here's some questions to reflect on about being the expert. Do you hesitate to apply for a job position unless you meet every single educational requirement? Do you constantly seek out training or certifications because you believe you need to enhance your skills in order to succeed? Even if you have been in your role for a significant period, do you feel like you lack sufficient knowledge? Does the idea of being labeled an expert make you uncomfortable? While continuous learning and skill development are important for professional growth and remaining competitive, it is essential to avoid taking it to an extreme. This perpetual quest for more information can become a form of procrastination. So something that I'm working on and something um, that I wholeheartedly uh, believe in and trust in is start practicing just in time learning. And what that means is acquiring new skills when they, when the need arises, such as when your responsibility changes, instead of accumulating knowledge for the sake of false comfort. So ways you can do this, you can mentor junior colleagues or volunteering. It can be valuable ways of discovering and embracing your expertise. And then by sharing your knowledge, it not only benefits those that you're with, but also helps alleviate feelings of fraudulence within yourself. All right. So we talked about these competencies of imposter syndrome, which one 
do you feel like you most relate to? So here's another Slido for us. Again, QR code or go to the website. Uh, gave an overview of these. I'm really curious which one pertains to you the most. So jump in there. Uh, let me know that you're still around <laughs> and uh, let me see uh, where we fit in um, with this. Okay, soloist, expert. And these are just gonna be precision, so I'm not gonna have full numbers, but yeah. Perfectionist is something that um, I've talked around the office and quite a few here go through that. More than one, I obviously I shared what I'm going through. Some superhero, some soloists out there too, okay? We'll do this for about another minute or so. Give people an opportunity, yeah. I figured that perfectionist or more than one would be the top two actually. So, um, cause I feel like even the perfectionist, um, there's some things that I realized for me that I'm not a hundred percent on. Okay. Cool. So as we can see, you're not alone. Um, so let me explain that a little bit more. Um, in that book, um, she did some research and she shared some numbers. And one of the things they shared is wants everybody to realize that you're not alone. So 70% of successful people reported experiencing imposter feelings at some point in their life. So 70%. 80% of CEOs feel out of depth in their role. And 84% of entrepreneurs and small business owners report experiencing imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is real. And I want you to know that if you've ever encountered this feeling at any stage of your professional journey, there may have been instances where you attributed your accomplishments to luck, charisma, networking, or some other external element. Recognize how unfair and unkind that is to diminish your own capabilities. Today is an opportunity for you to begin accepting and embracing your true abilities and hopefully overcome imposter syndrome, or at least work on it. Maya Angelou is an accomplished writer. Um, she was renowned as one of the greatest writers of the 20th century, and she struggled with imposter syndrome. One of her favorite or famous quotes is, each time I write a book, every time I face that yellow pad, the challenge is so great. I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. Maya Angelou had a significant impact on people's lives with her work, right? The book, The Caged Bird. And even with that widespread recognition of her talents by her mid forties, she still grappled with imposter syndrome. The presence of the syndrome is not eradicated by her success and it persists despite the rational reasoning and it cannot be overcome solely through logical arguments. So her story serves as a powerful reminder that even those who doubt their abilities can go on to accomplish incredible things. And so hopefully through a few more of her quotes, we can see that despite those self-doubts and you can overcome um, that and have those accomplishments as well. Another quote by her. If a person, any human being, is told often enough, you're nothing, you are nothing. You account for nothing, you count for nothing. You are less than a human being 
I have no visibility of you, the person finally begins to believe it. Imposter syndrome can affect anyone, regardless of their gender, their profession, ethnicity, or age. Individuals who have professionistic tendencies or experience anxiety are particularly vulnerable to it. However, the way that society treats individuals also plays a role. If someone regularly encounters prejudice, such as Dr. Angelou did, it becomes challenging to prevent it from influencing their self-perception. The initial studies on imposter syndrome back in the 70s focused on women who achieved significant success in workplaces characterized by sexism. Over time, the accumulation of prejudice they faced had a lasting impact on them. They felt like intruders because they were treated as such. A similar dynamic occurs with individuals who stand out noticeably from their coworkers, such as being significantly older or younger than their peers or being new to a city. So even if they're not mistreated, they can experience heightened self-consciousness, which can develop into imposter syndrome. Courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you cannot practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage is another famous Maya Angelou quote. If allowed to persist, imposter syndrome can gradually undermine your self-worth and dignity. It may lead you to settle for unsatisfying jobs or remain in toxic relationships because you believe you don't deserve better. However, succumbing to those feelings won't make them disappear. Merely keeping your head down and avoiding challenges is not a viable solution. But nevertheless, when you possess a strong understanding of your motivations, imposter syndrome has less power over you. Having a broader perspective of a clear goal in mind helps mitigate its influence. For instance, if your objective is to ensure the well-being of your family, you can see tangible evidence of their welfare on a daily basis. While doubts may still linger, they become less significant in the larger scheme of things. You may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, and how you can still come out of it. When you achieve something significant that matters to you, um, again, we want to be able to celebrate and acknowledge your success. By doing that, you're gonna treat yourself to your favorite meal, share your accomplishment with others, or indulge in something nice as a reward. On the other hand, when you experience a failure or setback, Take a moment to appreciate the absence of severe consequences. Realize, hey, it's not as bad as it could be. And despite the disappointment or mistake, nobody is aggressively demanding that you give up. No one is attempting to invalidate your achievements. There's no reason for you to fear public humiliation or ridicule. Although failures may be unpleasant, they contribute to the development of resilience. So by understanding that over time, this can help reduce the intensity of your imposter syndrome. It's crucial to avoid catastrophizing or blowing failures out of proportion and magnifying their negative impact on your self-perception. And by maintaining a realistic perspective and refraining from excessive self-criticism, you're going to be able to handle those failures more effectively. Imposter syndrome is a widespread phenomenon, and it's comforting to know that, that there's others that are going through similar struggles. Engaging in conversations with individuals can relate to your experience, can provide valuable clarity and support. So it's crucial for you to be selective though on what type of social support you seek. If you're feeling insecure about your work, confiding in coworkers may inadvertently exacerbate your feelings. 
So instead, open it up your, to your loved ones. You can offer understanding and perspective. Creating some distance between your anxieties and your daily work environment can be beneficial. If you find yourself still struggling, it may be helpful to seek assistance from a therapist or counselor who specializes with those issues. And always remember, like everyone around, else around you, you deserve to feel proud of your accomplishments and don't allow insecurity to wear you down and rob you of the well-deserved joy that comes from your achievements. So check this out. I started writing um, this presentation, I don't know, like three weeks ago because I'm a procrastinator and I was doing really, really well. And I was about right here doing some research when I realized that I was spelling the word imposter uh, incorrectly the entire time. So uh, from here on out, you'll notice I'm spelling it with O-R instead of E-R because I'm not an imposter. Here's how you overcome the imposter syndrome. So here's some words, um, strategies that can you can employ to help overcome these feelings and gain confidence in your abilities. And here's some steps you can take. Let's start with acknowledge and understand imposter syndrome. So first half of this presentation, we try to explain what imposter syndrome is, how you uh, can see it in yourselves, what's going on. And just remember that your feelings of not being good enough may not match up with your actual abilities and knowledge. Educate yourself. Um, even though you may not have much experience in the role that you have or in whatever goals that you're going after where you feel that imposter syndrome, you can still actively learn and gain knowledge in that field. Make use of resources like books, online courses, webinars like today, right? Ed industry guidelines and training programs. And by educating yourself, you're gonna boost your confidence and improve your skills. Seek a mentor or expert for guidance. So for us, for me, in excavation and damage prevention training, um, I reached out to those in the field, those who are my peers with the facility operators, um, safety directors of construction companies and others. By doing so, I got valuable advice, guidance and support from them. And by having a mentor that can assist you in overcoming challenges, challenges getting answers to your questions and benefiting from their experiences. So this connection that I've built with those different networks, that has ad, ad, provided aid in my development of my skills and enhanced my self-assurance. This one's huge. Um, start small and gain practical experience. So by doing this, you'll be seeking chances to gain practical experience even if they start small and have limitations. Offer to help or observe other experienced professionals, volunteer for relevant projects, or look for internships or entry-level positions in that field. By accumulating hands-on experience, you'll become more familiar with the topic and build your confidence. Get involved with the community by participating in industry conferences, workshops, or online forums. By networking, you'll be given the opportunity to connect with professionals who face similar issues and interests, and by sharing experiences, discussing effective approaches, and receiving support from peers, you can alleviate self-doubt and gain confidence. So please, uh, this is a great opportunity for you as well to network with those peers. Let me know if you've heard this before. Celebrate your achievements. 
Take time to recognize and celebrate those accomplishments no matter how small they may seem. Maintain a record for your progress and revisit it frequently to remind yourself of what you've accomplished. By recognizing your growth and successes, you will enhance your self-confidence and overcome imposter syndrome. And my um, personal favorite, the one that I worked on the most, is embracing a growth mindset. Embrace a mindset that sees challenges as a chances to learn and grow. Remember that everyone begins with limited experience and it's normal to feel inexperienced at first. Prioritize the process of learning and getting better rather than slowly and solely focusing on the final outcome. Be patient with yourself and allow for mistakes as valuable learning opportunities. Remember, overcoming imposter syndrome is a journey and, if it, and it takes time and effort. So be kind to yourself, practice self-compassion, and focus on continuous learning and growth. And with persistence and dedication, you can develop expertise in excavation safety training, damage prevention, how to properly sit in a chair, whatever is going on, um, so that you can overcome feelings of being an imposter. So here's one of my heroes. His name is Ted Lasso. Uh, if you don't know him, uh, he's on Apple TV. Um, beautiful uh, series and if, if you haven't seen the show Ted Lasso is an American football coach who gets um, hired to coach in England um, real football um, or soccer and so here he is on the plane he's talking to his assistant coach and this is what that exchange was like are we nuts for doing this? Yeah, this is nuts. Hey, but taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Okay, come on. So taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Despite lacking experience in soccer as an American football coach, Lasso didn't allow his unfamiliarity to hinder him. Instead, he embraced his distinctive perspective and coaching philosophy. He stuck to what he knew while taking on new opportunities. And although he occasionally grapples with feelings of self-doubt and inadequacy, he remains true to himself and his methods, and he radiates genuineness and assurance. Imposter syndrome can affect anyone, especially leaders transitioning to new roles or environments. But like Lasso, leaders can confront these emotions directly and have faith in their unique abilities and contributions. By embracing authenticity and self-confidence, leaders can counteract the impact of imposter syndrome and establish trust with their teams. Ted Lasso teaches us about resilience and maintaining a growth mindset, even in the face of loss. Lasso frequently experiences setbacks throughout the series, both professionally and personally. However, he approaches each loss as an opportunity for learning and growth rather than failure. This mindset is critical for leaders, especially when navigating challenges um, and dealing with setbacks. Leaders must demonstrate resilience and adapt a growth mindset, viewing every loss as a stepping stone to success. By framing losses as learning opportunities, leaders can encourage their teams to persevere, drive positive change, and strive for continuous improvement. One last thing about growth mindset. Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist, a best-selling author, and he tweeted this. Imposter syndrome. I don't know what I'm doing. It's only a matter of time until everyone finds out. Growth mindset. I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's only a matter of time until I figure it out. 
The highest form of self-confidence is believing in your ability to learn. A growth mindset is the belief that abilities and intelligence can be developed through dedication, effort, and learning. It is essential for personal and professional growth. And here are these three areas that you can focus on to cultivate a growth mindset. First, embrace challenges. Instead of avoiding those difficult tasks or situations, actively seek out challenges that push your boundaries and require you to learn and grow. Cultivate a love for learning. Foster a lifelong passion for learning and acquiring new knowledges and skills. Develop a curiosity about the world around you and actively seek out opportunities to expand your understanding. And emphasize effort and process over outcomes. Instead of focusing solely on the end result, shift your result to the effort and the process involved to achieving your goals. Understanding that progress and growth are not always linear and setbacks are natural. By valuing the learning and growth that occurs during the journey rather than the bully, excuse me, rather than being solely fixated on the final outcome. So by doing that, you'll be celebrating your effort, perseverance, and incremental improvements along the way. So by doing that, you can foster a growth mindset that allows you to embrace challenges, persist in the face of adversity, and continually develop your skills and ability. So I still don't own a shovel. I've had this role for three years and I can confidently explain the Oklahoma Underground Facilities Damage Provision Act. I can explain safe excavation and trenching. I know how locating equipment works and so much more. What I've done personally is I've leaned into not knowing everything and asking why to learn from those in the field, my peers, colleagues, and others. And even though I still don't own a shovel, I consider myself a subject matter expert. So we talked about the beginning of this is, well, how does this affect its safety culture? You're, this is a very individual topic, right? Well, let's explain how safety culture is impacted by imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome can have a significant impact on safety culture within an organization. And here's a few ways that it can influence safety culture. Reduce confidence. Individuals experiencing imposter syndrome may doubt their abilities and feel inadequate. Even when they possess the necessary skills and knowledge, they, this Lack of confidence can hinder their ability to make assertive, safety-related decisions or speak up about potential risk or concerns. And as a result, important safety issues may go unnoticed or unaddressed. A fear of failure. People with imposter syndrome often fear being exposed as fraud or failures. In a safety-critical environment, this fear can prevent individuals from taking calculated risk or initiating safety improvements. They may hesitate to propose new ideas and challenge existing practices, leading to stagnation in safety culture. Our reluctance to seek help. Those experiencing imposter syndrome may be reluctant to ask for assistance or guidance, fearing it will reveal their perceived incompetence. This reluctance can hinder effective communication and collaboration within safety teams, preventing the sharing of valuable safety-related information and best practices. Perfectionism and overwork. Imposter syndrome is often associated with the perfectionistic tendencies where individuals strive for unattainable levels of excellence. In a safety culture, this can lead to excessive workload, burnout, and compromised decision-making. Safety may be overlooked or compromised in the pursuit of unattainable perfection. 
Lack of psychological safety. Imposter syndrome can contribute to a lack of psychological safety within the organization. When individuals feel like imposters, they may hesitate to admit mistakes, report incidences, or raise concerns due to the fear of judgment or repercussions. This can impede the open and transparent communication necessary for a strong safety culture. To mitigate the impact of imposter syndrome on safety culture, organizations can take proactive measures. They can provide training and education on imposter syndrome, promoting awareness and understanding. They can encourage open dialogue about self-doubt and fostering a supportive environment where individuals feel safe to express concerns and ask for help. Recognizing and celebrating achievements and contributions, reinforcing the value of each team member, promoting a culture of learning and growth where mistakes are seen as opportunities for improvement rather than indicators of incompetence. Offering mentorship and coaching programs to help individuals build confidence and overcome imposter syndrome. Encouraging work-life balance and stress management to alleviate the perfectionistic tendencies associated with imposter syndrome. By addressing imposter syndrome and nurturing a supportive empowering, excuse me, supportive and empowering environment, organizations can foster a robust safety culture that encourages open communication, continuous improvement, and overall well-being. Dealing with imposter syndrome can be challenging. You just remember that it's important that you remember that you have been appointed to your position, your role, because of the necessary skills and qualifications that you possess. Here are some strategies to help you focus on creating a safety culture despite having imposter syndrome. Recognize your accomplishments. I know that I, I, this is something that has come up numerous times throughout this presentation, but understanding that your accomplishments are greater than your failures over and over and over. Seek support and mentorship. Surround yourself with the support of colleagues, mentors, or professionals in the field that you're in and that they can provide guidance and encouragement. Embrace that continuous learning, commit to ongoing education and professional development, get the knowledge and skills you need to boost your competence. Focus on your strength and expertise. Figure out what your unique skills are and strengths that you, can, that you have to contribute to your role. Recognize that the value that you bring to your organization and leverage that expertise and drive safety initiatives. Capitalize on your strengths and delegate tasks that fall outside of your comfort zone. Build a supportive team. Surround yourself with a team of competent professionals and share that commitment of safety. By encouraging open communication and collaboration, you're gonna be able to foster an environment where everyone's contributions are valued. Communicate effectively. Clear and concise communication is crucial in creating a safety culture. So you're gonna ensure that you are effectively conveying safety messages to your employees at all levels of the organization. And we talked about recognizing your accomplishments. Celebrate success, not only individually, but with your team. Recognize the efforts of individuals and teams who contribute to the safety culture. By celebrating those milestones and accomplishments, you're going to help reinforce a positive environment and motivate others to continue their safety efforts and practice safe self-care. Take care of your physical and mental well-being. Imposter syndrome can be emotionally draining, so make sure you prioritize self-care activities that help you relax and recharge. Engage in hobbies, exercise regularly, and seek support from friends and family. 
Remember, imposter syndrome is a common phenomenon that affects many people. But this can help you overcome self-doubt, focus on creating that safety culture, and make a positive impact on your workplace. Imposter syndrome could have a detrimental effect on the overall safety culture in the workplace. Here's some ways to help out. Here are three reasons, excuse me, here are three reasons why overcoming imposter syndrome promotes safety culture in the workplace. It improves communication and collaboration. Imposter syndrome often leads individuals to doubt their abilities and hesitate to speak up or take action, especially in safety related situations. So overcoming imposter syndrome encourages individuals to communicate their concerns, share knowledge and actively engage in safety discussions. And when employees feel confident and empowered to voice their opinions, it fosters a collaborative environment. Enhance problem solving and decision making. Imposters can hinder individuals from trusting their own judgment and making timely decisions, which can be crucial in safety related scenarios. By overcoming imposter syndrome, employees develop a stronger sense of self-assurance and belief in their abilities. And this increased confidence enables them to make effective decisions to take decision action or decisive action to prevent or mitigate safety hazards and increased reporting and learning from incidents. Imposter syndrome often leads the individuals to downplay their achievements and attribute their success to external factors. Similarly, when it comes to incidences or near misses, individuals may be reluctant to report them or take ownership due to the fear of being seen as incompetent or incapable. Overcoming imposter syndrome encourages individuals to take responsibility for their actions and outcomes, including incidents. And this shift in mindset promotes a culture of transparency and accountability where incidents are reported promptly and analyzed for root causes. The organization can then learn from these incidents and implement corrective actions to prevent similar occurrences in the future, ultimately enhancing the overall safety culture. So by addressing and overcoming imposter syndrome, individuals can contribute to a workplace where open communication, competent decision-making and culture of learning from incidents are fostered. This in turn promotes a safety work environment and helps establish a strong safety culture throughout the organization. So how's your organization? Can, do you know that you have a culture of safety within your organization? Here's five things to look at and then we'll wrap up. Leadership commitment. A visible commitment to safety from top level management is a key indicator of a strong safety culture. When leaders prioritize safety, set clear expectations, allocate resources and actively participate in safety initiatives, it sends a powerful message to the entire organization. Employee engagement. A safety culture is going to be evident when employees are actively participating in safety programs and initiatives. Engaged employees demonstrate a sense of ownership and responsibility for their own safety and the safety of their colleagues. Nothing is safer than a safe team. Open communication. A transparent and open communication system is vital for a safety culture. Employees should feel comfortable reporting safety concerns or incidents without fear of retaliation. Regular safety meetings, toolbox talks, safety newsletters, anonymous reporting mechanisms contribute to a culture where safety-related information flows freely throughout the organization. Continuous improvement. A safety culture embraces the concept of continuous improvement. This involves regularly evaluating safety performance, analyzing incident data, and identifying areas of enhancement. By implementing corrective actions, updating safety policies and procedures, and providing an ongoing training, the organization demonstrates a commitment to learning and adapting to improve safety outcomes. And then safety integration. 
A strong safety culture is integrated into all aspects of an organization's operations. Safety considerations are not just treated as separate or competing priorities, but are woven into the fabric of daily work routines. Safety practices are seamlessly integrated into job tasks, project planning, equipment maintenance, and decision-making processes at all levels of the organization. So these five indicators can help you assess the presence of a safety culture within a workplace. Remember, building a safety culture is an ongoing process that requires consistent effort, commitment, and involvement from all employees or stakeholders. And hopefully, as you look at what you have to contribute and what you have as an individual and what you have as skill sets, you can influence those around you and improve the safety culture of your organization. We want to ask you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be the first to hear each new episode. If you are watching on YouTube, be sure to follow the channel for not only our podcast, but also educational videos on Oki 811 services. Follow us on social media to know of upcoming educational events, such as safety days or our expo, or to know the next time we may be hiring. Thank you for listening to Digging Deep, an Oki 811 podcast. After you subscribe, be sure to share. So, no, that was a heavy topic, right? We spent 48 minutes discussing it. Um, but if you do have more information or uh, you want to share a relatable story or uh, just give me some feedback, you can feel free to email me. Email address is super easy. It's the word education at ok811.org. Thank you so much for checking out today's podcast. Hope you got something out of the topic of overcoming imposter syndrome. It's something that affects a lot of people in their workplaces and something that may not get the attention that it needs. If you have any feedback or want to reach out to me, my email address is education at okie811.org. And I look forward to hearing from you. Let me know your thoughts and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.